0: hope. We hear that word and we think of positivity or wishful thinking, but hope is something different. It's greater. It's better. It's more. It's remembering his faithfulness in our past and trusting his plans for our future. Hope rises when we encounter the light that shatters the darkness, when the long-awaited Messiah makes his home with us. It's an invitation for every person, And it's here now. Jesus is here now. This is hope. Welcome to Christmas. This is our hope. Amen. Can we give the tech team that created that video, well, Jonathan and Rose, Uh, (laughs) round of applause. I use the term team very loosely here. Um, uh, by the way, just as a, as a side, um, there's very few of us that do a lot of work around here. Um, and we're always looking for more volunteers. But when I say we're looking for more volunteers, it's not just kind of a, we kind of would like to have some more volunteers. It's like, we're pretty desperate for volunteers. So If you have uh, any any desire, or I'm not even going to say ability, but if you just have a desire to work in tech ministry or kids ministry, uh, we have a huge a huge need there. Uh, With our greeting team, we have a need. We have um, a need with our preaching. We need people to preach. Um, That was a joke. Um, You're supposed to laugh heartily at that one, Um, but we 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 do need you and. we had a members meeting this past week, and it was it was a great meeting. And we'll have a letter going out today to indicate kind of where we're at with our uh, finances on the construction project. But uh, one of the members said, "You know, when are we going to have an eleven o'clock service?" Um, and and I, I love that. I love to dream and and you know um, wish um, for an eleven o'clock service. But for that to happen, a there would have to be a lot more people here. Um, so invite your friends. But the other part of that, really, a huge logistical issue is volunteers. We just, we just don't have them. Um, so it, I'm asking you to ask the Lord to pray um, for the new year. Lord, is there something, an area where I can serve, where I can help? Because we really want to take ownership. Um, this isn't, um, you know, our building and our staff and our production. Like, that's just not the way church is. We have to take ownership as a community over everything that happens here. Amen? Amen. Yeah? Okay. Well, let's pray, and then we'll open God's word this morning. Father, thank you for your word. And as we open your word, we open ourselves. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. That you would transform us, that as we read the word and hear truth from your word, we would submit to that truth and that revelation and transformation this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God with us, God with us. This morning we're going to talk about hope. Um we're going to talk about hope as something but someone. We don't just hope for things. I hoped Canada was going to win this morning. Are you recording the game? Okay. I hope that my I always hope that my teams will win. Um and so I always pick multiple teams, especially in the World Cup. So um, USA would be number one for me, I'm sorry. Canada would be number two. Uh, Italy well, they're not in it, but they, they're, they're a big one for me. And um, I, you know, I hope to have some rest this Christmas, right? I hope to take a nap on Sunday afternoons. Um, I, I hope to get a good night's sleep. These are. Things I hope for. And things we hope for can be uh, deeply meaningful to us or they can be surface level. But we don't hope in things. We don't ho- hope in circumstances. We don't hope in situations. We hope in Jesus. We hope in Jesus. We've already been reminded of that this morning. During this first week of Advent, we turn our attention to the hope found in In Christ, the hope found in Christ. Jesus has come and will come again. Advent is a time to remember the birth of Jesus, but not just the birth of Jesus. Advent is actually a time to remember that Jesus will come again. Now, there are a few ways that we can wait for Jesus to come. There are a few ways that we can wait and hope. And maybe you find yourself in one of these camps this morning. Some of us wait in fear. Some of us wait in fear with the hope that at some point God is gonna rapture us off of this planet, this hellish earthly experience that we're all having. Some of us wait in forgetfulness We wait, we forget that Jesus ever came in the first place, let alone that Jesus is going to come again. And we just go about our lives with this kind of forgetfulness, focusing only on what we see in front of us, not realizing that Jesus came, Jesus is here, and Jesus is gonna come again. And then there's this third perspective that I wanna draw our attention to. That Jesus has come already. That a child was born. That Jesus is here with us right now. He is Emmanuel. He wasn't just Emmanuel when he was born and walked the earth for 33 years. He is here now. He is with us now. And that Jesus is coming again. Our hope is in the past present, and future, continuing kingdom of God? Do you believe in a continuing kingdom of God? Do you believe that God has called us to rule and reign in this kingdom of God that he established? Our hope in Jesus, our hope in Emmanuel When we say God with us, our hope should be in the longing that his kingdom would be expanded on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus prayed, Our Father in heaven. Whose Father? Our Father. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Everybody say kingdom come. come. Your will be done done. on earth earth. as it is in heaven. Good job. The, The point Jesus was praying is that through the will of God on earth as it is in heaven, a kingdom would be established here. And that kingdom would be a continuing kingdom. In other words, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he didn't take the kingdom with him. Before Jesus died on the cross, this is not in your notes, this is hot off the press last night. Before Jesus died on the cross, he said this about the work of the cross in John 12, verse 31 and 32. He said, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. The word for cast out is what you would see in expelling a demon, in deliverance. Often we see in the Bible where Jesus would cast out demons. That word cast out means expelled. It means disempowered. It means it will no longer have uh, rule and reign in your life. And Jesus said this, Jesus said this, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up, Jesus said, from the earth will draw all people to myself. So what Jesus was saying is, is when I am lifted up on the cross, the ruler of this world will be cast out. Why do we empower a disempowered devil? Sometimes we have too much devil in our theology and not enough Jesus. We sit, we hope in fear that Jesus is gonna come back. We, We sit in forgetfulness, forgetting that he came. And that he's coming again. I want to show you through the scripture that he came, he is here, and he's coming again. We turn now to Isaiah. 700 years before Jesus, we see a hope found in Isaiah. Introduction to Isaiah, we know Isaiah chapter 9 quite well, in fact, Pastor Keaton read already from Isaiah chapter 9, but before we get to chapter 9, it's important to look at Isaiah chapter 7 and Isaiah chapter 8 to know the context for Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 7 indicates that there will be a sign for the people of God, a sign for them to hope in to hope for. And the sign that Isaiah writes from God through him is that there will be a son born to a virgin woman. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Then in chapter 8, Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah writes about a coming invasion from the north that the Assyrian empire is gonna come down from the north and is going to attack Judah. Now, just years before he indicates that Assyria is going to attack Judah, Assyria has already invaded Israel. And he says this in verse 22 of eight. The people will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, And they will be driven into darkness. In other words, the world will be dark, Isaiah is saying in chapter 8. An invasion is coming. And when he's writing this, it's in the 700s BC. But in 701 BC, Assyria will certainly come upon the people. And bring them into captivity. Assyria will rule and reign over Israel and Judah. Over God's people. And Isaiah is giving this, but don't worry. He's saying, but God will come. And then we come to Isaiah chapter nine, in the midst of this, verse six. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called So in the midst of a possible Assyrian invasion where the people are going to be taken captive, in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this hopelessness, Isaiah is saying, but listen, to us a child will be born. To us a son will be given. And we'll call his name Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And then you know what happens? 700 years. And the people of God are putting their hope in this sign. When will the virgin birth happen? When will the Messiah come? When will our King come? 700 years later, Jesus would be born. A baby wasn't born. A kingdom was born. A child is born, but a kingdom came. King Jesus still reigns today. Do we believe it? My job isn't to just escape earth. It's to transform it. My hope is not in an elected official in government so that finally earth will become Christian. Because the only official in government that matters is King Jesus. And he's already been elected forevermore his kingdom his government will have no end leaders come and go every few years new leaders come and go no one's ever happy with leaders No one ever has a president or a king or a queen. I mean, the queen, queen, she ended really well. I mean, the queen, she ended with the utmost respect and honor and, and no one, I mean, everyone had the highest regard for her. Outside of her, I don't know anyone else that people truly love. And the point is this. The point is that our kingdom is not what we see. Our hope is not in this earth. It's in Christ. God with us. I sensed in my spirit when I prayed about how God sees earth. I I heard in my spirit that earth is God's footstool. I was like, footstool? What is that? Well, a footstool is a place to put your feet. To relax. Some of us have like an ottoman at home or a coffee table or a recliner. I have a recliner at home. It's my favorite chair in the house. It's where I sit every morning. And it's amazing because I sit in it and I put up my feet and I recline on it. I'm sure many of you have a place to put your feet. But David writes this about God's footstool. In First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 2, then King David rose to his feet and said, hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. And I made preparations for building David is saying, I had it in my heart to build this house, to build this temple for God. And in this temple, it it would would house the presence of God with the Ark of the Covenant. And it would house the footstool of God, the place where God would put up his feet. We read in Psalm 99, verse five, exalt the Lord, our God, worship at his footstool. Holy is he. We read in Acts chapter 7 verse 49, which is also a repeat of Isaiah 66. Heaven is my throne, the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? May Northside be a place of God's presence. A place focused on the presence of God. And when he comes into this space and he wants to do something different in a service or different in a gathering, or he comes in and we just sense his presence, would we we draw our attention to his presence? Would this be a place where the Ark of the Covenant would be? And would this be a place where God wants to put his feet up? So many times like we're struggling and striving and, and and trying to do things with excellence. And I believe in excellence, but I also want my heart to be a place that God would come and rest. And so a simple prayer this morning for you, if, if you're not sensing God or you don't know that he's with you, is just Jesus, would you rest in me? Would you find a place in me to put up your feet? to rest and the amazing thing that happens when he puts up his feet and rests in you guess what you rest in him you rest in him when you make a space and a place in your heart for him to come and you just sit i mean just sit sorry camera people just sit oh man god is so good And you just rest. You know that feeling when you first get to a warm destination? The first time, I mean the first day you get there, you walk through the soft sand, you sit down on a recliner, you put up your feet, and you're like, what's my name? I don't even know. I don't even know and I don't even care. You know, that feeling That's what God wants to do in you. Just put up his feet and hang out. Can you imagine how life would be differently if this was the posture of our heart? I'm gonna wait till it gets really awkward. The peace of God comes upon us and he rests in me and I rest in him. And then Psalm 110 verse one says this. The Lord says to my Lord. So the big, the all capitals, that's Yahweh. The little, that's David. David. And David writes, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hands until I make your enemies your footstool. So the amazing thing that, that Jesus does is as he's reclining and sitting in you, he says, Joel, come sit down for a while. Come sit at my right hand. You know what right hand means in the Bible? Rulership. Reigning. says, Joel, would you come and would you just sit down? And as you're sitting down and as you're ruling and reigning, I'm gonna make your enemies your footstool. The reason for that is what is Jesus' footstool becomes our footstool. God invites us to sit with him. To rest in him. When my kids have a nightmare at night, they're fearful of something at night and I have... Lots of sleeping issues in our home. And my son happens to be like a prophetic seer. So he sees everything. Spiritual realm. Always has. It first started when he was like three and he was telling me about this Batman figure that kept coming into his house, into his room, but didn't look like Batman. But... And then he described a demon to me. And uh, he doesn't sleep very well, but um, when my kids have a nightmare... They don't sit in their room and kind of Google, how do I get over this fear? You know, I wish they would, but they don't. Um, they don't kind of work things out on their own very often. Um, but there is one thing that they do do. And this, this became, this became the, the norm. Is when they have a nightmare in their room, in their bed, you know what they do? Go in my bed. That's right, that's right. They come down the hallway, they come into our room that's never locked, almost never locked. (laughs) And then, this is, (laughs) I said I would never lie from this pulpit. If you don't like what you get, They come down the hallway and they climb into bed with us. For 14 years, we've had kids climbing into bed with us. And the most amazing thing happens when they climb into bed. It's as if the nightmare never even happened. They climb into our bed and they're asleep. Long before I am, they're asleep Because where they are is in the presence of someone that loves them and is more powerful than them. And they can now rest, that they are safe. And so I sit with Jesus, and when I sit with Jesus... My enemies are so insignificant that they are the thing I put my feet up on. Because I'm in his presence. God is hoping that we will realize who we are. God is hoping that we will realize our responsibility to sit with him and to reign with him and to transform this earth. God has more hope in us sometimes than we have in ourselves. God has more hope in us sometimes than we have in him. He is fighting our battle. I need constant reminding of God fighting my battles. In the Old Testament, after um, Moses went into Egypt and, and the people of God were let go into the wilderness and they had just left Egypt, Pharaoh had a change of mind And he wanted to go after the people of God and he wanted to track them down and he wanted to kill them. Do you remember this story? They come to the Red Sea. I want to read from this story and show you something. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 to 14. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us up out of Egypt? I love leadership. (laughs) For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, see a theme here? You will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have to only be silent. They lifted up their eyes and they focused on the enemy. And Moses says, let's fix our perspective a little. See the salvation of the Lord. These enemies, you're never going to see them again. We have to fix our perspective at times. What are we focused on? What are we, what are we fixated on in the moment? Are we focused on our enemy? Or are we focused on God? Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. Just be quiet. Now, I don't want to diminish the Red Sea moments that you're all facing. These moments are real. These moments are painful. Some of you are facing deeply disturbing situations, circumstances, physical wholeness and wellness. You're fighting for your marriage. You're fighting for loved ones that don't know Jesus. You're fighting with your finances. I mean, these battles are real. These battles are, are, are true. These battles are in front of you. I'm not diminishing that at all. But I want to say something to you this morning in this moment in the most kind and compassionate way I know how. Would you just come and Just rest a little. Just rest from it. Just take a moment and just say, Lord, I'm gonna be quiet. And I'm gonna sit with you, Jesus. And I'm trusting that you're gonna make this enemy that I'm fighting my footstool. Fight my battles, Lord. And just rest. Because he's not stressed. At no point in our lives is he surprised. At no point in our lives is he, oh, that totally caught me off guard. At no point in our lives is he worried about the outcome. At no point in our lives is he not sitting at the right hand of his Father. And so he says, Joel, I sit at the right hand of my father. That's why he does nothing outside of what the father tells him to do because he's under the authority and the control of the father. And then he says, Joel, would you sit at my right hand? What's the formula there? If you like algebra, the formula is I should do nothing outside of what Jesus tells me to do. And if I'm doing what Jesus tells me to do, then I should be at peace David encourages us in Psalm 23, verse five and six, and I'll I'll close with this and invite the worship team up. A familiar Psalm for many of us. David says, you prepare a table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, overflows David writes in the in the middle of this battle in the middle of this battle that I'm facing God you prepare a table I could read this a few different ways I could read this where David is totally at peace going man God like you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies like this is so peaceful And I could also see David going, wait, you're telling me that you want me to sit down? (laughs) You want me to relax right now, Jesus? Look at the battle. Look at the enemy. You want me to sit at a table right now with you? I could see that. I could see some anger and I can see a peaceful way of looking at this. But either way, God's design in the battle is that we would recline with him. God's design for the battle is that we would recline with him. Do you know why? Because when we recline with him, guess what he changes? The perspective. What we see. Israelites saw the Egyptians coming at them. And Moses said, if you're silent, you're going to see something totally different. You're never gonna see these enemies again. You're gonna see the salvation of the Lord. You're gonna see the Lord fight your battles. And I don't know about you, but we we always go through battles. I don't know what your week this week is going to look like, but I'm asking in this moment, in this present moment, would you allow the Lord, you might be frustrated. Like, don't, don't tell me Joel to just sit at a table. You don't know what I'm going through. You might be like that, or you might just be instantly feeling this peace that God is preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. But either way, that's the posture of our hearts is to come to this table. To sit with Jesus. To recline with Jesus. To rest with Jesus. To be quiet. To allow him to fight your battle.